Hello, and thank you for listening to the First Baptist Victoria podcast. This week we have a new theme song that was recorded for us by Scott DeVos, one of the members of our worship team. With us we have Sam Pritchard. He is our, what, our interim intern? I think the title we settled on was I'm the Youth Interim. Youth Summer Interim. Interim. So, yep, I'm excited. I'll be here all summer. And it sounds like you've got some plans going on. Yes. I, uh, we have had, I guess, a tubing trip Tuesday, uh, the 6th, and then we have some more events coming up. Those are in the church calendar. There's there's a lot of events, but fun stuff going on. We also have Sunday night discipleship and uh, Sunday morning still going on throughout the throughout the summer. So okay, so you're still meeting on Sunday nights in the summer. Still meeting on Sunday nights uh, when we can. So there's sometimes there's events where we'll just we'll cancel. I don't think we're doing anything on Father's Day, but other than that, every every Sunday night we'll be we'll be here five o'clock. All right. So tell us a little about bit about yourself. So, uh, people actually ask where I'm from, and I like to claim Longview as East Texas area. That was where I grew up. I lived there for 15 years. It was, it's home. I, I loved Longview. It's a smaller town. Maybe like 80,000 people is the population, but it's really, I mean, it's not very big. And uh, my dad works in oil and gas, and so they consolidated offices, and we moved to Houston about five years ago. And I've been living in Houston there. I don't like it though, BJ. It's it's not Houston's not for me, and uh, it's just big city people. They don't know about farm life, and it it's like kind of crazy when you just you tell them something um, that's that's very about life. Let's just go with that about life, and and they are all disgusted by it or something like that. So so I have fun, but. This is not my place. And then I go to Howard Payne University right now. I have one more semester left. That's that's why part of the reason I'm only here for the summer is I, I need to go back, have to, want to go back to school and finish my last semester well, and I'll graduate with youth ministry. And then getting married. So that's happening also. Uh, after I graduate, December 31st, Emily Turner and I will be getting married and where we're going to live yet don't know but that's you're all caught up on my life story right now that's that's pretty much all that's going on so you're going to be graduating with a uh, bachelor's or bachelor's in youth ministry. i'm going to finish at howard Payne with my master's in youth ministry and i want to also do counseling and and do a master's in counseling where i don't know yet howard Payne may have a program for that by the time i finish youth ministry but youth ministry is my priority right now Okay, and of course, youth counseling or youth ministry and counseling seem like they would go really hand in hand. Definitely, I have enjoyed all the psychology classes I'm taking, or I have taken, and the ones I will. And this last semester, I took adolescent and parent-child relations together, and they overlap so much that it was like I'm pretty much taking the same class, and not even the professor could tell which assignments are what. So, <clears throat> so we had we had fun, and I enjoyed just learning about brains and how they work and how youth work and uh, that's where i want to focus on just adolescence teenage years young years so of course as always i'm bj branson the i guess resident podcast guy i will say it, it is uh i i you know they say you're an intern but really you're like 
the fill-in, whatever we need you to do. Mm-hmm. You're there to do it, teach class. Well, I did Sunday school three times already, yeah. four times already. Um, I was I there mean, one of those. You were there one of those good. days, yeah. It's actually where we first met. It is, yes. So, and we talked about logos. Yep. That's how I remember. I forgot your name though, or your initials, I guess. Uh, no, that's a that's a. I don't know if it counts as initials. It, your it, nickname. Yeah, my nickname. Whatever it is. I'm gonna call you Roger. <laughs> oh man, that just really confused the uh, poor audio people. <laughs> what about Robert? Um, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> my son introduced every uh, introduced my brother to the entire church as Bob. His <laughs> his name is Lee. And like, <laughs> um, I was meeting with the colonel for our discipleship. We do that on Wednesday nights before the service, uh, before the Wednesday night meeting, and then we get in late and everything and. Uh, then I go upstairs to pick up the kids and come back down and Ben looks over and sees me you do you know what your son did because a couple of times my brother spoke up and added to the discussion in on Wednesday night <laughs> and Ben called him Robert in front of everybody <laughs> or called him Bob instead of everybody oh no we're both Bobs now <laughs> if I'm Robert and he's Bob <laughs> oh dear um but why, anyway. Okay, but why do you call him Bob? That's what I want to know. I don't know. Was he just was it just that kind of day or what does he call him at home? Like, Uncle Lee? Uncle Lee? Yeah, it's okay. like Oh man, and I think it's hilarious because you know there's a phrase Bob's your uncle. It means and that's that. Um <laughs> uh, and that's, the thing is my brother is a very matter of fact, you know, and that's that kind of a guy. So yes. <laughs> Uh that's I think funny. that's hilarious. Very unintentional, but not exactly what my brother and I was you know, expecting to exp- happen. Yeah. And it really fit in because the last time before my brother visited, we were talking about, you know, the different names of God. Is it important that we know Jesus as Jesus or as Yeshua, his Jewish name or this or that? And it's like, and I just said, you know, it doesn't matter what you know Jesus's name as. It just matters how you know him. Yeah. And that you know him. Because, you know, most importantly, his name is Savior. Yeah. Um, and so he said, yeah, but imagine if I introduced everybody to, you You know, hey, this is my brother Kevin. He's like, how would you feel? It's like, does it matter if that's how they, that they know you or does it matter how they know you? Yeah. And then, and then Luke goes and names him. Hey, this is my bro, Uncle Bob. <laughs> so as always, we have some questions prepared for us. And again, feel free to add whatever topics you want, because this is a discussion, not an interview. One of the points that Ben brought up is that we as humans tend to do things and we think that we're doing them for God and whatever we do for God is going to be enough. You know, we go into church, we, this is me extrapolating, uh, we go to church, we and we even play a couple songs or sing a couple songs in the worship or maybe we even do a quiet time and that's enough, right? We can live how we want just so long as we do those minor things, right? Why do you think we, even though the Bible very clearly says, you know, the minimum amount of worship isn't worth anything? You're saying, like, why does God say that if you're going to worship me with the few that you, or the, your least amount of effort, then don't even worship me at all, right? Right. You're saying, yeah, I mean, you know, thinking logically, like, like not even spiritually, not even scripturally, like, like, if I'm coming into a project and I don't really want to do it, I just want the benefits of it, 
and I'm just going to barely do it, I'm not going to get much out of it. You reap what you sow. If if we're sowing, you know, worship and praise to God, you know, not, not to say that God will, will always bless us and everything will always be great, but there will always be joy. That's the thing we can count on. There may be sadness, there may be hardship, but, but there will always be joy if we're all in with it. But if we're just barely in with it, God's like, and and this is the the cool part that I have you know I've never heard this lesson before. But when ba- Pastor Bren brought it up, it really stuck out to me. It's like, oh, like, like if you're gonna be barely there, just don't. Like, just leave it. You know, don't even come to me. Don't waste your time. Leave your worship. I do. I do think a lot of people do that though. I'm not gonna say to everybody, but I I there is Christians I know that they just they kind of show up to church they give a little money and and i mean i'm a youth ministry major we already talked about that mm. like i'm sold out for this stuff i'm going for it like if i'm going to be here i'm going to be all in whatever you can give me to do i'll do it whatever worship i can give god i'll do it i can't i'm either all in or i'm not and that's just how i am so so that's hard for me that and that's a hard thing to 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 answer is like how do we how do we be all in, and how do we balance that? So, you can't really understand uh, what are they called nominal Christians, where they just come in, sit down. I've heard some people call them what is it, pew warmers. I think that's a little calloused and probably not the best spirit to have when you're talking about people that really need to understand you're all in or you're not. You said that's how you are, but that's how God sees it too. You're either yeah. all in or you're not. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I'm pretty sure John 3:36, you know, whoever believes in the name of the Son of God will be saved, but whoever does not obey him, condemnation rests upon him or, you know, that's my paraphrase. I believe it's in Leviticus. He says uh, I'm going to use like the King James or something. I think is what I learned it in, but he's saying be either hot or cold, don't don't be lukewarm or I'll spew you out of my mouth. That's in Revelation. That's in one of the letters to the seven churches. Is it in Revelation? Yeah. And an interesting thing, do you know why it was, uh, you're either hot or cold? You know, what is hot or cold meaning in this context? I'm not sure, actually, exactly. There was a spa there, like a spa, it, the bathhouse there. And the hot water was, you know, heated on site or brought in via aqueduct. And the cold water was brought in from the mountains and the cooler regions via aqueduct. And by the time it got to the city, a lot of the time it wasn't hot or cold anymore it was lukewarm and it was full of bacteria and stuff and it would actually make the people there sick so in that context you have the hot water that's healing and restorative you have the cold water that's refreshing and also restorative but the lukewarm water does absolutely nothing except make you sick oh, okay yeah it's in revelation 316 316 it says uh it's the new king james actually i really Sorry, I I love the King James. They're they're fairly accurate in their translations. They say here, so then because you are lukewarm, neither hot, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It's like it's yeah. a very gruesome, like you you know you disgust me kind of thing. And it's so, a perfect example. Yes, yes, perfect for apocalyptic and uh, epistolary literature. You know that wasn't even apocalyptic yet. That was. Stuff that can be applied even nowadays. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think we see a lot of the seven churches in America, heck, even in one church. Revelation was written to those seven churches, and it was meant to encourage and to tell them you know, what they were doing wrong and also what is to come, And uh, which uh, there's a whole thing on that. 
I just I just had revelation class for this semester and it was it was a lot. But but he, they're talking to people. That's the thing in Revelation. He's John is writing to people. People are people. There's nothing new under the sun. We're still going to repeat the same mistakes as those churches. And that's why we have this book. So we can learn from them. And we cannot do that. And I think that's the great part. That's why we can relate so much. Because these are churches. These are people. And we we read that and, and learn and transform our minds from that scripture. So you sent me a list of questions. And I, I really like this one. I think you kind of stemmed off it. But we as humans seem to think that... We must do things for God, but however much we do for God is enough. Did I kind of get that right? Basically, we seem to think however much we do, whether that's a lot or a little, whatever we do, we're you know that's enough. We read we read our Bible five day five minutes today. We're good. Oh look, first of the day calendar. Um, John I three said, sixteen. I said God bless. Yeah, you know, yeah. I said God like that. Yeah, we see that with Pharisees all over the Gospels. The Pharisees, I mean, some of them would even take a tenth of their sandwich and tithe that, and a tenth of this, and a tenth of this. I don't know if they had sandwiches back then. They had bread. I know that, but but anyway, you know, they make a list. They make a list of things they have to do. They're like, oh, if we do all these things, we're great. And that's why they had so much trouble. I know that there's nothing I can do to get there. And actually, it's more relaxing. I, I feel more at ease that I know that there's nothing I can do. Because if I can't do anything, what's the point in trying, right? And But then, you know, that's where God's grace comes in, God's mercy, God's uh, the Savior, Jesus Christ, coming in. And so I know because of Him, like, I'm going to mess up, I'm going to do things, but I'm forgiven, and that is enough. Jesus is enough, not me. I'd be working the rest of my life and through eternity if it was that case, so... Well, I mean, without God, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And without getting into the actual definition of what filthy rags are in that verse, suffice it to say that if you were to even touch one of those filthy rags, that would make you ceremonially more unclean than it would have been if you didn't even try to use those. We can't do anything. Trying to do it for God, that's where legalism steps in. Yep. And... It seems like we've done three episodes on this podcast and we always end up bringing legalism in, but that's something that we really need to keep an eye on is if you're doing it to satisfy God's requirements, then you're doing it in a legalistic fashion and you're not going to be able to... It's not actually righteousness. Yeah. Interestingly enough, to do it so that you satisfy God does not satisfy God. Yeah. We do things because we love God, not because we want to do what He asks. We do it because we love Him. We do what He ask because we love him not because of it's a requirement when it becomes a requirement to us it it becomes kind of pharisaical and legalistic but the other thing is people people always kind of think they have to clean themselves up for god or something they have to they have to get all their sins in line before they can come to him and that's that's something else that that i hear our generation struggles with i tell people i'm like look paul i bring this i bring this verse up i brought it up earlier paul told everybody in his letter i am the worst of all and not to take him out of context there's a lot more to that but he really says he's the worst sinner because he understands that we're all sinners we all fallen short of the glory of god we all need forgiveness and you know if i'm at the altar say i'm you know some crazy important preacher 
who's done great things for God, I was just as worse sinner than someone who just got out of prison the day before me or the day before. So for that, like, you know, when you come to church, just come as you are. Come as a, a human being because we're all human beings. One of the other questions you have on here is God deserves glory. How is that different from him needing it? And I told you earlier, I have a really weird response to this. I'm kind of excited to share. So God is, and this kind of, this goes into transcendence and eminence. That's that's one of the cool things I learned this semester that I really kind of applied. And and you're probably familiar, for those who aren't familiar with transcendence and eminence. Transcendence is, this might not be a word, but it's aboveness. So God is transcendent. He's above us. He is powerful. All the omnis, as Ben said on this, this, this Sunday, all the omnis, he's over us. But God is also imminent. Eminence is closeness. So God is above us and all powerful, but he's also close to us. He's above us. He doesn't he's all powerful. He's self-sufficient. He's independent from us. And as the Bible describes, and it's a very good analogy, we're his children. So if you think of the the relationship between a father and a son, which BJ, you understand this more than me because I'm just a son at this point. You're a father, you love your son, you provide for your son, you take care of him, and sometimes he thanks you, sometimes he honors you, sometimes he thanks you for being his father. Maybe he doesn't realize everything you do, but you still take care of him no matter what. And that's kind of the relationship it is with with God. He takes care of us, he looks over us, he lets us make mistakes. Like fatherhood is if your son doesn't recognize that and he doesn't care to give you that honor, you might be a little upset, but you're going to live on fine. You're going to be completely okay with that. But for your son right now, he needs that. He needs to be recognized. He needs to be loved. He needs to be not not so much glorified per se, but he needs to be taken care of. And God, he takes care of us. He nurtures us. He provides for us. But he doesn't need us to return that because he's self-sufficient. So that's what I thought about. I thought, he's our father. My dad appreciates it when I love him and appreciates it when I tell him that stuff. And I love my father very much. He knows, but he doesn't need that per se. So that's kind of how I thought of it. It's kind of weird because I'm just a son. I'm not a, a dad yet, but that's how I kind of have envisioned that question. Every analogy breaks down at some point. So obviously since God is beyond time, we're excluding age and he doesn't have a creator. So we're excluding his father because he doesn't have one. I was thinking about that while cleaning my office, and it was, I, that's just what I came to. That's the first thing that yeah. popped in my head, and I was just expanding on that in my head, so. I think it's a good analogy, too. Yeah, and it's not mine. It's not original. Everything goes back to God. So God deemed himself his father, and really everything I just said is in Malachi. I read through Malachi before I came in here, and Malachi chapter 1, he says, is a father without honor and a master without fear and if I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear? So exactly, you know, what I just said, but just in the words of Malachi, that's where actually he ordains himself as father, identifies himself as a father. Yeah. I mean, he does do that occasionally throughout the Old Testament as well. Yes. But, no, Malachi is definitely where we get a lot of the Old Testament, our fathers, and as Ben really hammered home to us, you know, Lord of hosts. We can argue about what God wants of us, what we want to do for God, but all of God's laws, all throughout the Bible, all of his commandments are given to us for our benefit. The one law that I think of that is kind of like just different and, and unexpected, at least to our culture today, is 
something that we don't have to follow anymore, but it's the the Jews aren't allowed to eat pork and certain type of meats and any of that. And they had laws that were to protect them. And we, we know now, through medicine and stuff like that, that those were there because, oh, well, pork, you can get a certain disease or a certain uh, bacteria or whatever from the meat if it's not cooked properly. And right. so instead of God saying, eat your meat well cooked, make sure to stick a thermometer in there and temperature check it, which he knew would be more, probably more complicated, he just said, don't eat this meat. And nowadays, we know about that. We know how to cook it. Peter actually had a, in a vision saw that you know God said I have made all things cleaner we can eat that kind of meat now and and that, I mean that was one of those that the Jews didn't know why they had no idea like God didn't explain he just said don't eat it so I mean there's many things that God has set in place one of the one of the more popular ones which is I mean to put in short don't sleep around because there's diseases and that's just a simple one but stuff like that, the sin has caused those diseases and those infections. He's protecting us by saying, don't do that. There's consequences for sin. So there's lots of things that God mandates or God asks us to do. And those are just for our protection. And the more we realize they're for our protection, the more we follow them. Because we're like, oh, God's not out to make my life terrible. He's out to protect me and to look out for me. Back yeah. to scripture, that's why God's greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God and love others. The law rests on all this. And so, through we're loving God, we're obeying His commandments. And if we're loving others, we're working to make our lives better together, not just, you know, living selfishly. That's the first one I thought of. A lot of the ceremonial law was done away with. You know, that's where we have the don't eat pork, don't wear clothes of mixed fabrics. All the ones that the internet atheists like to throw at Christians for picking and choosing why we don't follow those anymore. But, you know, we, we weren't able to wear blended fabrics because, you know, and, but that was one of the ways that God was showing that these people that look and act like everybody else are set apart. These are God's chosen people. Yep. But now that we have the Holy Spirit, God's chosen people, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and it's blatantly obvious that we're not, or it should be blatantly obvious, that we're not fallen, that we're... Set apart. Yeah, yeah that we're set apart. It's not like a thing that we're special. Or it's like, right. it's like oh, I'm better than you. It's uh, like, look, we're, we're Christians. And this is a slight derail, but, but I believe Tim Hawkins brought it up in one of his comedy skits, is if we actually cut off our hand, or we actually cut out our eye, you know, you're walking down the, down the hallway at work, and you see your buddy in a with a thing over his arm and in a cast he's like oh you're a christian too so not not that kind of strange set apart but but we're just we live by a set of standards and those standards is what sets us apart so you told me to remind you to talk about the flock yeah so you weren't here this morning but ben's office got flocked that's what we're calling it now so the flamingos were transferred to ben's office oh no so all of so for those who don't know as well, June, all of June, the youth ministry is uh, fundraising for the youth program, youth activities, and for youth camp. And so it's $10. If you get 
flocked, as we call it, if you get the, the herd migrated to your yard or your office, apparently, in this situation. It's $10 to take them off. It's $20 to take them off and move them somewhere of your choice. And it's $30 to be in the no-fly zone, move them, and yeah have them taken off so i started us off i paid 20 bucks and i put them on lindsay florida's yard uh, on sunday morning while she was at church i wasn't there i had my fiance deliver them for me and so she delivered them and she was caught on the ring doorbell so she already knew that she was flocked by, by the service but we we still we made the announcement and we showed pictures of them everywhere and then that sunday she gave me 20 bucks and said i want you to put them in ben's office I got a video of him walking in and he literally just walks in, looks around and goes, I've been flocked. <laughs> that's one of the exciting events that's happening this month. If you want to, by the way, shameless plug, if you want to give to that and have a place, just write the address on a church envelope and uh, Kathy Joe will get that to me and put whatever, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever you would like to donate to the Youth Activities Fund, Youth, youth Funding. We'll see. I'm excited to see where Ben puts it because he hasn't told me yet. In closing, why do you think modern Christians need to internalize God's message to the priests in Malachi, you know, as, as well as the message to priests elsewhere in the Bible? Yeah, I can say this for me, and this is how I've internalized it, is, well, for me, I'm in youth ministry, and I basically am the priest. I, I don't like the term priest, but I am the, you know, what he's, who he's talking to in this, and Malachi what I got from the sermon is don't get lazy pretty much God's saying like the nation of Israel has gone away from me and you need to come back but priests I hold you to like the highest standard because it's like nation of Israel you've fallen away but but he goes straight to the priest and says priests you are the, the literally the people I expect to hold this no matter what and here you are not giving your best offering, not being all in. And I've done that. I'm that's part of my testimony from for you know, I got saved when I was young, but I kinda I was there. I kinda just went through the motions. But no, like like today, like now, I need to give it on my all and be there and be all in and, and sold out, not just, you know, I show up on Sunday, I'm gone, show up on Wednesday and I'm gone. I'm I'm here, I'm involved, I'm ready for the word, ready to hear it, and that's what happened this Sunday, I was listening, I was, I enjoyed listening to Ben, and I was, I was all into this message, and then I was like, yes, be all in, let's try to be all in, and, and I can say it, because I've been both sides, I've, I haven't been all in before, so, I say that's the best way that I've internalized it this week, so, what, what for you, BJ, what is, I think, um, before we stray too far from what you said, have you read the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan? No, I haven't. I uh, I have a copy for you. I, I I have it on audiobook, so I, I have a loaner copy of the text, uh, the actual paperback, I think it is. It is a phenomenal book. Um, I highly recommend it, and it talks about the, you know, how can we... And I've, I think I said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, too. You know, how can how is it that we can just go in... If you're into sports, you know, you know the... I'll use baseball because I actually know baseball. You know, you know the RBI of all the batters. You know how fast each pitcher can pitch the ball. You've built your fantasy team. You watch all the baseball games. 
you know, that level of fervor for sports, okay, you, you just like sports. But you show even a fraction of that fervor for God, you're that weirdo. And that's, you know, and that's kind of how the church shows, you know, that's how the peop- a lot of people in the church will act, too. So it's Crazy Love kind of touches on that, and he, because he, that's what he wants to do, is he wants people to have a kind of love that the world looks at as crazy. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a phenomenal book. I highly recommend it. But to answer the question about why the things pointed at the priesthood should be uh, applied to us uh, (laughs) modern-day Christians is there's a lot of different things that can be said, you know. Let's go with the church question, or the church responses. You are the only Bible that some people would ever read. Um, Syntactically, I disagree with the phrase, but I think the message is right preach God wherever you're at using words as necessary. I think that's a silly thing to say because you can't preach without using words. That's what the word preach means. But the message is the same. And then in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, I think it is, uh, chapter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then going on into verse 10, For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, when you get down to it, we as Christians, you know, we are all priests, technically speaking. Because we are all ambassadors, we are all runners in the race, as Paul says. Our worship is just as important as everybody else's worship, because we are all... Whoever knows that we are Christians looks to us as to what a Christian should be. And a lot of us get blamed for a lot of the bad things that other people claiming to be Christians do. I think that the hard part with that is like people see us as perfect. We have set out our standards. We have very upfront about them. But when we don't follow that, people are like, oh, you hypocrite. But, but, and I mentioned this earlier. We're human. So the the thing that came to my mind was... The Word of God is living, but it shows through us as we live our lives. I've taken Greek classes. One of the things we talked about is when you translate, go and make disciples of all nations, the emphasis is on make. It's not on go. We, we as, I say as Baptists, we as Christians put the emphasis on go. Oh, yeah, go make disciples, do missions, do all that stuff. But really, uh, and I offer, we, we've offered just a, you know, a kind of a different translation is like, as you go, make disciples. <clears throat> so, not don't feel guilty if you're not a missionary, you're not like somebody out in the mission field or anything. As you go, make disciples, and that's what we're commanded to do. I I firmly believe that that's how the Greek lays it out, is make disciples. Not go and make disciples, yes, but focus on the make, not on the go. So, When I was up in Ohio, one of the pastors that was in our association had a sign that read, now entering the mission field. That's awesome. And it's true. It's, yeah. It's exactly that. So A lot of things were symbolic for him. For instance, when he would pray, he would point towards the cross and kneel during the sermon. And I thought that was really neat. But I, th- I really liked his now entering the mission field as you were leaving the church. That's a whole other tangent for me. You know, most people like to get higher and like put their hands up and stuff. I'm not a hand raiser. I'm a... I'm a kneeler. I I like kneeling. And I never met somebody who actually like would just kneel during the service until I went to a non-denominational church. It's called The Well, I believe, in uh, 
I don't know what the church name is. It might be called The Well. In Abilene, Texas. And this girl, she, like, during worship, because she'll sit by herself. And she we invite her to sit with her. And she's like, no, I like to sit by myself during worship. Anyway, during worship, she's, like, full, laid out, face down, hands out. And I think that's just awesome because she's, she's sold out to the mission field. Sold out to mission work. She's She works for Carry the Love. That's her serves that it's not really a job I don't think don't quote me on that but anyway but yeah yeah sold out to worship so next week we'll not be doing a reflection on Malachi we will be doing a reflection on the sermon but we have a retreat that gets back on Sunday and so Pastor Ben has chosen to delay his next installment on Malachi for the week following assuming that he doesn't postpone it another week because of Father's Day. So, with that, thank you for listening, and uh, we uh, will catch you guys next week.